when I was in finance, um, I was studying for my CFA, okay. Certified Financial Analyst. Gotcha. Um, and I was young um, and I was kind of climbing the corporate ladder and I spent a lot of time and energy. I took vacation days to study for this test and I failed it. And when I failed it, man, that would like hit me hard. Like I cried when I got the results. Mm. Um, and I remember my dad being like, son, you know, son, <laughs> this might be a good thing for you. And yeah. he'd be like, what are you talking about? In hindsight, um, that failure was one of the best things. It made me question um, whether this is something I wanted to do. We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run, always chasing, never stopping. Greetings, Ben. Hey, Patrick. <laughs> how you doing? Doing great. Good. Um, today we're going to do something really fun. I'm super pumped about it. We, uh, a week or two ago, you put out on your Instagram sort of a call for questions. Um, and this is something that we've done a few times now. This is the third two minute drill. Uh, the first two times I sort of just collected questions that I found on YouTube, random questions on Instagram. Um, the response to, to, to the Instagram sort of story call for questions was awesome. So we got some really cool questions. Um, and we're going to, we're going to be able to do, uh, episodes like this more frequently, um, not only with those questions, but we'll, we'll continue kind of eliciting and pulling yeah, questions. Great. Um, so I'm really excited about it. So for those who, uh, don't, or haven't listened to the other two minute drill, uh, episodes really simply, it's basically a bunch of random questions that you guys have asked. Uh, and Ben, uh, seriously and not so seriously tries to keep his answers to two minutes. Um, the first time we did it, you talked so fast. Right. The second right. time I think we we're a little bit more normal. Um, so we'll see where we so are. So all now. I do is I take the same like five minute answers, talk yeah. faster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You don't edit at all. You just go faster. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we've got a bunch of really good questions today. The subject matters, uh, very, uh, kind of across the board for stuff that we talk about. Um, so I'll ask the question, uh, if I have any interesting follow-ups, I'll do that, but otherwise we'll just sort of rip through the 14 or 15, uh, that I think we're going to be able to get to today. The first question, what percentage body fat would you recommend for somebody who just wants to be healthy? 15% for a guy, 20% for a girl. If you're looking for a little bit more aggressive approach, then we'll call that in the 13 for guys and 18 for girls that gets you into kind of the healthy range. Kind of what you, if you're looking to see abs, which is kind of like what most people do, like associate yep. with fitness and health, abs kind of start to show up below 12% for a guy and um, under about uh, 17, 18% for a girl. Uh, and maybe quickly, how would one, how does one measure their body fat? And is it important that, that people do that? Um, so there's a few different ways. We do it through a, uh, a, a like a bioimpedance scale, which is you stand on this thing, it sends an electric pulse through your body, you hold on these handles. It's called it's a device called an in-body. And right. so I think it's one of the better um, ways to do it that isn't incredibly, um, like there's dunk tanks. And yeah. actually we've done, I don't, I'm not a fan of the dunk tank for the super lean population or the super fit because it's gonna get longer than two yeah. minute answer. Well, that's because I asked a follow up, okay. so it's okay. Um, <laughs> I don't, uh, they don't work, seem to work that well for people that are really fit. Um, um, then there's like the the bod pods, which are probably the most accurate. It's an air displacement. There's uh, skin calipers, which if you're with somebody that's skilled and knows how to do it are very good. Um, but again, if you're really lean or really heavy, they're not good. Yep. And what I mean by that is like, if you're under like 
7% body fat for a guy, or if you're over like 30% body fat, they're not that great. But for the middle population, they are as long as the uh, technician is skilled. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's real simple things like uh, I'll go online and you take like your your wrist to your waist measurement. And mm. it's like these really obscure kind of things that can estimate it. But um, you can also just kind of like yeah, estimate it by sight almost. You know, right. take those numbers I said, like, you know, 12% for a guy is seeing your abs. Well, if you feel like when you flex, your abs are there, then you're probably at 14 or 15%, gotcha. yeah. you know, that's everything. If you're like popping out, like they're, like they're everywhere, mm -hmm. then you're probably under 10%, 12 or 8%, somewhere around there. Got it. Second question, any advice for a first time parent? <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing because I picked this question because it was particularly interesting to me. Uh, any advice for a first time parent who wants to maintain a consistent training schedule? The assumption being that there's a newborn in the house and it wreaks havoc. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, lovingly but recently. yeah so my real world suggestion for that is um get a nanny or babysitter yeah uh, honestly it's like the other ones are all like workarounds right it's like get up earlier change your schedule figure out your habits like figure out your values the real like tactical one is it's gonna you need help period like find a find a, a gym that likes that you can put your baby in you know put like earmuffs on them bring them to the gym like the honest real answer is either find a nanny or a babysitter or what we did for our Saturdays, we put our kids in a Spanish immersion school mm. that was a half mile from our gym. And it happened to coincide with it. It was awesome. It was a two hour thing that can coincide with, it started a half hour before one of our classes and it gave us a chance to do our class and it ended a half hour after one of our classes. So find help. Yeah. That's the bottom line. You now have a parent, you can't do everything. Period. Like you have to... You, Another thing came on your plate. It's something you're going to sacrifice unless you get help. Gotcha. Love that answer. Um, what tips do you have for nutrition and time management for a high schooler who wants to compete? Okay. I, so, the, I think the so, assumption competing CrossFit, but I guess maybe okay, if so the let's, answer yeah, is... Let's take, let's take CrossFit. Yeah. Um, let's break those down into two different things because there's nutrition and time nutrition management. Nutrition and right? time management. Okay. So yeah. first nutrition one is don't get yourself caught. You got to bring food everywhere you go. You got to be like... Um, Captain Tupperware. <laughs> you can't like rely on the school lunches. You can't rely on like when you go, if you're serious, if you want to compete, and I'm assuming that this person is, because um, they're not saying like get fitter, they're saying compete. Right. So right. I'm going to assume that this means a lot to this person. Bring food with you everywhere you go. That means in car rides, that means to school, that means for after school snacks, that means before. Don't get caught without healthy options, period. Like when I, you know, like Heather, my wife is phenomenal at this. She has a back, basically like if the zombie apocalypse hit at any moment, we'd be okay. Yeah. Cause we would be able to survive for like five, six, seven days, you know, without having to like go and yeah. hunt for food. Um, the other one for time management is, um, it, <laughs> there has to be like, I, I don't know the schedule, right? So right. if it's a matter of like, you go to school and then you go to CrossFit and then you go home, eat dinner and do schoolwork, like that's pretty, like, you have it as good as anybody could possibly have it. Like no one's going to have more free time. You are never going to have more free time than you have right now. Mm -hmm. So don't use that as an excuse. Now, if you play another sport, if you're on student council, you have other responsibilities, then welcome to everybody else's life where you have eight to 10 hours of commitment every day, plus something to do when you get home. You have to figure out how to do it and you have to schedule ahead of time. Mm -hmm. You have to look for it. You got to... You have to get up at 5.30 and do your workouts before school. If you're a competitor, maybe that means you go do some aerobic and skill stuff before school, and then you lift weights after school. I don't know what the schedule actually is, but 
you have to figure it out. Yeah, I have a feeling that the question about time management was sort of a, I don't get to spend all day in the gym like you know, like Matt Fraser and Catherine do, does. So what what am I supposed to do about it? Right? Yeah, you're but not. Your answer is you're that. not supposed to win the CrossFit Games. <laughs> That's an all. Yes, absolutely. Okay, where are we? Number four. Do you think it's possible for an athlete to be qualifier ready and sexual related qualifier ready and still hold a full time job? Yes, Brent Fikowski, full time job on the podium multiple times. Next question: Having an unlimited budget. What are the five most important things a competitive athlete should be doing? Okay, five most um, important things a competitive athlete should be doing regardless of budget. That was yeah. a question? Yep. Um, all right, let's, let's hammer some of these off. And this is regardless of budget. Number one, um, a f someone full-time to do re body work on you. You are now Tom Brady and you have Alex Guerrero working on you multiple times a day. I think that that... If the game is how fast can you recover? Because if you can recover, you can train hard again. That's the that's the jam. That's everything. That's why we want to sleep better. That's why we want to um, eat better. That's why so you can support your training. Well, I believe the number one thing you could do there is for any of those things is body work, professional body work. Um, that'd be number one. Number two, get a professional chef that like can do this stuff. Uh, man, this is like, I wanna make more yeah, money now so I can, right? <laughs> professional chef. Yeah. The third one would be a personal assistant. So this, this is a different road than maybe like the person was expecting. Maybe they're expecting like, um, you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah, I don't know, like equipment or like, yep. you know, um, um, professional chef. And I would actually, maybe even before all of those things is a professional coach. So mm -hmm. I don't know if that's four or five, that's whatever. Four. Okay, so we have four. Um, I'm going to stop it there because I think we're kind of hitting a lot of those major things, but it's like get professionals to help you. And the the coaches for obvious ones get you doing the right stuff, you know, hold you accountable to um, working on your weaknesses and identifying those things. The chef is obviously one to, to fuel you and make sure the body worker is recovery. Um, do I have another one there? Uh, the personal assistant is mm -hmm. to create more free time for you. So you have the time to do these things. They're the person that are going to go through all of your emails. They're the ones going to book your dentist appointments. They're the ones that are going to um, book your travel and all the rest. Um, if there's a fifth, um, maybe it's a matter of something like unlimited budget, uh, um, get somebody to, to watch your kids or something that allows you opportunity to spend more time with your wife because mm -hmm. or your your or your spouse husband um because if you have the opportunity to have more of that quality time with your relationships your training will ultimately be better very cool um advice for 20 year olds about to graduate from college invest in you um, and there's, I'm going to, so first one is invest in you. Like you need experience and this is going to coincide with the next one, which is, um, you're coming out of school. You, you don't know anything. You <laughs> haven't done anything. You don't deserve anything. So don't be entitled and nothing is below you. Take the job and do it well, regardless of what that is. I don't care if you're making $27,000 a year. You're not supposed to be making. Don't look for like the great big world changing opportunity. Get experience because every experience you have, you can lean on to do something in the future. There is no such thing as bad experiences. People that listen to this podcast know my past history of working in finance before could not be farther from like working and owning a gym. Like it's like I was pushing money around the world, staring at a computer screen to now like talking to people about thrusters and pull-ups. Like it's the, couldn't be more different. I lean on those experiences all the time. 
it's a any experience you have is a phenomenal experience. So just go get as many experiences as you can. Don't wait for perfect. Don't even wait for the right thing. Just go and start doing things. Cool. Uh, number seven, is fear a good motivator for change? It's probably the best motivator. Yeah, if you fear, um, if because you're unhealthy and you fear like you're gonna die, well, what is a better motivator for change than that? If you fear that you're um, the CrossFit Games champion and the next year you fear like you're gonna lose that spot, like that's an incredible motivator. Fear is, let's not like, sure, it's all sunshine, rainbows, and no, you're supposed to be motivated for changing the world and up. Like fear is a real, like nothing, no animal will run faster than when it's being chased by something that wants to eat it. You're scared for your life. You're gonna work the hardest you possibly can. What about people who uh, fear ends up being paralyzing and not motivating? How do you how do you switch that, or how do you start to look at that differently? Um, or to recognize that fear? I think that's a different fear. So that's okay. I think that's a different. That's a fear of failure. That's mm -hmm. a fear. So is fear a good impetus for change? What was that? Yeah, a motivator for change. Yeah. So is fear a good motivator for change? Yes, absolutely. Now is now uh, uh, I mean a separate question is what about fear that paralyzes people? That's a different one. That's fear of ridicule. That's fear of failure. That's fear of being ostracized from the group. Um, that's a, a, a different approach. That's a different question. Um, in that case, we've actually done a podcast on this. Um, the idea behind that is if you're afraid of it, it's probably one of the most powerful things you should be doing, right? And everyone talks about this stuff right now. It's, it's kind of like up there with like, Gratitude journaling is yep. like what you're afraid of is the gateway that's what's holding you back. Go and do just that. And, you know, I've, I've dipped into this a lot recently. It's one of the reasons I'm doing a lot more of speaking stuff. I don't like doing the yeah. speaking stuff in, intuitively. I have a fear of, you know, putting myself out there. I have a fear of like posting on Instagram. I really do. Like I'm afraid of the ridicule that's going to come back. I have a fear of engaging people on it because I'm afraid. And I'm doing, I'm realizing that and I'm just doing, trying to do more and more of that. You know, whatever you feel like is the thing that you're most afraid of, like probably double down on that thing. Mm, cool. Um, best advice on balancing a full-time uh, full school, a job and full-time training without burning out. And I think I really like this question because of the, the burning out element because I don't think that that's something we've talked about before. Mm -hmm. So do you have any advice on trying to do all of those things, but keeping in mind that uh, it's not useful if it's not sustainable. Yeah, so they said uh, it was school, full-time job, job, and training. And full-time full training. full-time training, yeah, yeah, without burning out. Yeah. Yep. Um, yes, you can only do one thing great. You can do three things really well. So mm -hmm. it's a matter of setting up your expectations. You can, for sure, you can go to school, you can also have a job, and you can also go to the gym. Absolutely. Realize that if your goal of going to the gym is to win the CrossFit Games and you're opening up a small business that you want to turn into a multi-million dollar endeavor and you're going to back to get your um, PhD in something, you are going to burn out. Yeah. Like those things are not going to happen at the same time. You have to figure out, like measure your expectations and realize I can be good possibly really good in three categories. Maybe that means going back to school to get another course in something. Maybe to go back and get my undergraduate at night. I can also um, hold down a job while I do that and train for an hour to an hour for a day. Totally reasonable. And you can do that without burning out probably 
The training is going to support that and help you more than it's going to hurt you. But again, if you're looking to be world-class in all three of those categories, you're going, my take is you're going to burn out. It might not be this year or next year, but that's an unsustainable approach for five years or a decade. Best course or certification that impacted you as an owner or a coach uh, and sort of a follow-up is any outside the standard CrossFit level one, two, three, four, et cetera. Okay, so there's... um, the cop-out easy answer to that one is, um, you know, that influenced me as an owner or a coach is obviously I took my level one in 2007, my CrossFit level one certificate in 2007. That set me on the trajectory for what we're doing here today. Right. So that's definitely the most transformative, influential. Yeah. influential that's uh, That had the biggest impetus on anything I've ever done. Before doing that, I had done NASM. I had my CSCS. I had my ISSA and a bunch of other small little things nutrition things and the like. Um, Those were without like um, overstating it. All of the ones before the level one were garbage, like legit garbage. Um, I didn't learn a thing. I learned about muscle spindles and gogly eye tendons and and nothing about how to, how to change someone for the better inside the gym. Yeah. It was, it's ridiculous what they, teach you. Whereas the level one was phenomenal. Now I know what a lot of people do is they go there and go, this is so easy. I know those. It's like, I, I, I hate making fake voices. Like <laughs> I should do that. Um, but people go through that course and what they're doing when they go through that course is like checking the boxes. Like, I know this, yep. I know this instead of like trying to figure out the way that this, um, trainer is teaching me can I speak to my clients with that same eloquence and simplicity and beauty and have it resonate the same way? Can I take away, am I at that level? I'm no, I no, I am not. What do I need to do today to move me closer to that? And constantly with a major level of humility, go at everything that you go at. And if the goal is to be the best trainer you can, don't go there to pass the course. Go there with the idea of like how... What do I need to do to be up there presenting this information? That's, and we go that approach, then all of a sudden that course becomes phenomenal. And yeah. it is, it's, it, the power is in its simplicity yeah. for sure. Um, other than that, other courses, um, there's really good specialty courses inside the space. But the question was outside the space. I would um, maybe give an answer a little different than maybe what they're, they're expecting. Um I think that education today is not in certifications, not in courses, and may, and may or may not be um, even in books. I think that the new learning platform is what we're doing right here. I think it's in podcasts. I think it's in Instagrams. I think it's in social media. I think it's in a lot more bite-sized, more digestible, more entertaining forms than sitting down in a traditional course or certification. I love following, um, you know, Dave Lipson for, you know, the meathead stuff. I love following, um, I think it's called squat therapy for, um, you know, kind of bridging the gap between um, physical therapy and performance. I love following CrossFit weightlifting and um, catalyst athletics and hook grip for Olympic lifting. I love following, you get the idea, right? I love it. I love following experts and world leaders in their field on social because basically that's the education platform. You get these in like, not everything that's posted is going to be just like, not every word that's spoken at a certification is going to be gospel. But if you pull out the meaningful nuggets for you here or there, I think podcasts and social are amazing tools. 
you know, as long as you're not using the social as the as the escape, mm-hmm. as the enter as the, an just as an entertainment, but using it as education, I think it's a phenomenal tool to further any endeavor that you want to dive into. Yeah, I think uh, I think it was Tim Ferriss. I remember him talking about. I think it was him. That one thing he does on uh, on social on Instagram, maybe specifically, is um, whenever he starts to lo- sort of uh, dive deep on a subject matter, whatever. And he, and if you know him, you know that he sort of dives into a lot of mm-hmm. different things. He only follows people in that space. Like he'll unfollow everybody yeah. else and only follow that, so that when he is on Instagram for five or 10, 15 minutes, he's he's lear- he's sort of curated his feed so that it is only the 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 content that he's interested in learning about now, uh, instead of letting sort of the weeds grow in the Instagram feed. And it's just like anybody yep. and everybody you've ever decided to follow, you can, you can really, uh, use it, um, intent with intention yep. in a way that's actually makes it, uh, way more valuable than if you, it's yeah, a, I like that. sort of a, it's a like blind an, follow. It's almost like an immersion, right? Like we have, yeah. we're living such an age now that, um, the, the availability that we have to experts is unparalleled. Right. It used to be like way back in the day, like if you want to become a master in something, you had to apprentice under them for like two yep. decades. And now they're giving it to you for free. And fast forward to like, all of a sudden now it's like, okay, you could read a book in a month. And now it's like, you could listen to a podcast in an hour so you could get all of the stuff on their social in these. So like I started following this guy on like, um, he's, he's an accountant in taxes. And it's like, it's so entertaining. <laughs> But it's like all these like little like loopholes for business owners, for business owners. So like, okay, like these meal expenses. And if you hire your cousin and if you, um, if you do business on a Friday and a Monday when you're traveling, you can write off the expenses over the weekend. It's like all these little things. It's like, it's phenomenal what you can learn if you're using the, the platform for education. Mm -hmm. Love it. How do you change the mindset of your athletes in class? For example, if they're being too cocky and not scaling. So I guess the the implication there is, um, uh, how do I get people to change their behavior yep. or, or the, the way that they're thinking so that it impacts their behavior? You Paradigm shift. You don't change their mindset and their behavior. You change yours. They're not buying into you and they don't trust you. If Greg Glassman came up to them and said, I think you should scale down this weight to 95 pounds. Let's not do 135 today. They would not be cocky and they would not like push back on it. They would look at him because they trust him. And so the idea behind this is you have to look at the way you're talking to your athletes and your level of getting them to buy in. It's about, there's, you know, karate kid. There's no (laughs) such thing as a bad student. There's only a bad teacher. I'm not saying the person that has this good bad teacher. The, the thing is, what we talked about before is the awareness level of where we are in getting people to buy in. If people are cocky, it's because they don't believe in what you're saying. You have to revisit the way you are approaching things. And the way I actually thought, I was thinking about this a lot this weekend, because somebody asked me, what's your advice for a um, for a um, a person starting up coaching? To me, it's all about trying to figure out how to get to people to trust you. Mm-hmm. Period. That's it. Like the X's and O's of the sport, and like seeing correcting and presence and attitude, and well, presence and attitude, but maybe like uh, managing groups and demoing and all of the teaching aspect. Those are the things that are easier. The hardest thing to do is getting people to believe you. Yeah. But if you can't get people to believe you, then all the other stuff doesn't matter at all. So that's what I would. I would not look to change their cockiness. I would look to change your approach. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
when an athlete feels like they've plateaued, I think this is in the gym, uh, gym setting as well. When an athlete feels like they've plateaued, what steps do you take to work around um, their frustrations? Okay. Um, first off, you, you should never, uh, athletes should not get frustrated. Um, we should be um, responding to body language and words and coaching that as much as we are coaching movements. So if someone gets frustrated, we wanna be able to talk to them about how to work through that frustration. And it helps have the answer to the first part of that right. question, which is um, identify what is the, um, the reason for the plateau. Is it, and this is gonna be exercise science -y, is it a neurological limitation or is it an organic limitation? If it's neurological, that means that they um, need to work on their technique, essentially, their skills, their timing, their accuracy, their the coordination aspect of the movement. So let's say someone's tapped out at a 245-pound uh, snatch and they haven't snatched over 245 pounds in 18 months. Okay, so is it is that because they don't move as well as they could, that they're not hitting good positions, or is it because they're not strong enough? Is it more of an organic adaptation? And then from there, you work on those two things. So if it's a matter of um, the strength, well, what's their, um, their snatch relative to their snatch grip deadlift? What is it relative to their overhead squat? Um, if it is more of the dynamic, if it's more of the um, technique aspect, it's what are the positions are they hitting? Maybe it's a speed thing. What's their snatch balance? So try to figure out which, where in the components, what, what is the limiting factors, and then just hammer down that road. Mm -hmm. Spend time on on those things. So somebody might be able to move like butter, like move beautifully, like we could put in slow motion, and you know the best coach in the world would have a hard time figuring out what's wrong with them. And then we also figure out that their two their two forty five snatch is only four pound four pounds lower than their overhead squat. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it's really obvious which one they need to what they need to work on. And the opposite is obviously true as well. Got it. What uh, What were your biggest failures that helped you grow in business and in, in, as an individual? Um, when I was in finance. Um, I was studying for my CFT, um, which is a fairly high level, um, uh, C sorry, CFT, that's, uh, that's CrossFit talk. <laughs> that's, that's certified fitness training, uh, CFA, okay. certified financial analyst. Gotcha. Um, and I was young, um, and I was kind of climbing the corporate ladder and I spent a lot of time and energy. I took vacation days to study for this test and I failed it. And when I failed it, man, that was like, hit me hard. Like I cried when I got the results. Mm. Um, and I remember my dad being like, son, you know, son, <laughs> this might be a good thing for you. And yeah. he'd be like, what are you talking about? In hindsight, um, that failure was one of the best things. It made me question um, whether this is something I wanted to do. Um, and then when the next kind of thing that, which it wasn't a failure, but it was a moment that made me grow more than anything else, was when 9-11 happened. Mm. Um, those two things together set me on the track for what we're doing today. Um, I wanted to, it was like, is this right for me? Is this something I'm really passionate about? Um, and then that happened, it was like the impetus, like let's not sit behind a desk for the rest of your life. Let's go like chat and help people. Mm -hmm. uh, if you had to start over as it relates to coaching elite athletes, what would you do to get to the top again? I think there's probably a few ways to take that, but. Um... 
Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna relate it back to the answer I just gave a little bit, which is like uh, the same person said, uh, which they asked was, um, you know, if you were to start over again as a coach, mm-hmm. they take up the elite athlete aspect out of it. Yep. What would be your best suggestion? Because it doesn't matter if you're training elite athletes or anybody. Coaching is coaching, mm-hmm. right? So, um, the number one thing I would do is realize how powerful and important the words that you're saying are. You need, you really need to focus on what you're delivering, what that message is. And whether it's a text message, it's an email, or you're saying it, constantly be asking yourself, how is this going to be interpreted? Is this going to be interpreted the way I want it to be? Is this going to, and one of the reasons that, you know, when I first started working with athletes, I don't talk a whole lot. Yeah. I want my words to mean something. And I'm, I'm a, honestly, I'm part of it is, I'm afraid of it being misinterpreted. And I don't want them to walk away with something that's wrong. So I spent a lot of time in my own head trying to figure out how to formulate things. Mm-hmm. And I think that if everyone kind of slowed down the um, the flow of words coming out, it's kind of like that, you know, like the 10 seconds, like count to 10 before yep. you respond to something. I'm not saying that, but there's something to that. Like when someone, when one of your athletes is talking, like really listen, not just like formulating your own response, like listen when they're done, by the way, they'll appreciate this. When they're done, don't have an answer. Mm-hmm. Just little, like sit there, look them in the eye, nod your head a couple of times. And when they're done, that's your time to formulate your response. That's your time to come up with it. Cause now you have all the information. If you're doing that halfway through their explanation, halfway through their story, halfway through their response, you're not getting it all. And it's going to come out when when it's your turn to talk. So slow things down. Realize what you say is important, um, and you don't have to have all the answers right now. Last question: In the past three to five years, what new product, habit, or routine has made the biggest impact on your life? That's a very Tim Ferriss. That's exactly why right? I picked it because it was like, oh, that's somebody's yeah. channeling Tim Ferriss. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'll go with the habit one. And we talked about it here a lot. Uh, I mean, this is this is an easy one for me, actually. Um, it's a habit of making sure my daily actions are congruent with my life goals. And I, you know, figure out the 10,000 foot view of what I want with my life. And we talked about it here before, but it's, um, I want to be on my deathbed and be able to say I lived a fulfilled life exactly with um, the vision of what I wanted to be. And the way I define a fulfilled life, and this is me, it's gonna be different for everybody, but the way I define a fulfilled life is did I live, did I love, did I learn, did I lead, and did I leave a legacy? And then I kind of put metrics on each of those things. And from there, it's am I on a daily and a weekly basis hitting the, the metrics there to make sure I am. So the habit I've used is... Um, you know, and this is within the last five years, I spent two years basically on a daily basis. I have not, full disclosure, I have not done it for about the last six months or so. Um, but I think because the habits have been so ingrained from that two years of doing it habitually, like you, you've you seen it, yeah. like I, um, that it's just like, I know what it is. Um, so I think that of all the kind of the habits of all the products I've come across, of all the kind of whatever it might be, that's been the most transformative. If 10,000 foot view. Okay, from there, what are the things that's gonna define that 10,000 foot view, those five L's? From there, what are the categories that are gonna fill up those five L's? And then on a daily, weekly basis, am I hitting those metrics? Right. And paying attention to those yeah, so, daily. Yeah, so like, um, 
what it forces you to do is it um, you go from this 10,000 foot view right down to like the minute, right? And yeah. the minute now is the question now you become is like, what is the most important and impactful thing I should be doing right now? Not what's the thing I want to do? Like I want to watch TV. I want to go to the fridge. I want to go and um, check social media and not what the easiest thing to do is. Well, the easiest thing to do is check my email and respond to those. The easiest thing to do is dot, 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 right? It's what's the most important. And it's also not what's most urgent, right? Mm -hmm. It's not the thing that's like pressing right now up in front of me. It's what's the most important and impactful thing I should be doing with my time right now. If you're always asking yourself that question, I think that's, this is my take. I think it's going to set me up for a, you know, a, um, when I get to my end of days to be able to look back and be like happy, satisfied, um, fulfilled. Um, I know people will ask because they have the, every time we mention it, uh, the, the format that you use to do it. I, I know that it's a, it's a spreadsheet. Yep, it's a, a lot of people ask to share it, but obviously you haven't done that. What would you, what would you suggest for those folks who are like, I wish I had that thing that Ben uses so that I could use it? Um, create, open up a Google doc and write a category. Maybe it's family, right? And then underneath family, write down some metrics that you think um, would help improve your family life. So for me, I'll share some of mine. Yeah. Be home by six o'clock every day. Have a family dinner, sit down with it. Um, here's the thing, don't wait for perfect. Mm -hmm. Like we have kids all over the place, all different age groups, whoever's home, right? So some kids don't get home until 7.30 because of practice. If you wait for that, it's you're not, then the other kids are getting ready for bed. So mm -hmm. whoever's at home at that time, family dinner. Um, so I have um, no phone, no computers once I'm home. Saturdays, no work. We go to the gym together and work out in the same class. If it's a partner workout, I do it with my wife. Sunday, there is no gym, there is no work. Um, 10 ski days every winter. July is with my family at a beach house. Like just create metrics yep. and then just start to check those things off. Are you doing these on a daily and a weekly basis? And then you do it again for your health, right? And it's like, work out, eat clean, get your sleep, da, da, da. They do it for learning. It's like, read, listen to podcasts, um, meditate, da, da, da. And you, you, create, you start checking these things off. Mm -hmm. Or wait for me to create the product in two <laughs> years and just buy right. that. <laughs> there you go. All right, that's pretty good. That's like 30 minutes in and we did like 14 or 15 questions. So solid. We, oh, that's we like two minutes. Solid two minutes. Yeah, two I minutes. love it. All right, we'll do this again soon. Thank you. Thanks. In the next episode of Chasing Excellence. I think everyone is out there in the world, not everyone, but a lot of us are out there in the world experiencing the same stuff and feeling the same things and, and having the same insecurities. And Just search for Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. And thanks.